can say Elohim as you pray. Through God's names, we learn more about God. My hope, though, is that it won't stop there, that you wouldn't just know more about God, but that you would truly know God. Today, but it is Palm Sunday, and uh, the thing about Palm Sunday is we just talk about it just a little bit. Is you see the difference in in their experience on Palm Sunday and our experience is they had not seen the end. They didn't know the the uh, beginning and maybe the culmination of the greatest event on the earth getting ready to happen. They just kind of saw it through maybe a, 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 a smaller side of story. They didn't understand the big story that was coming. I mean, when you think of Palm Sunday, of course, you know, we saw the wonderful kids. Thank you, parents, for letting them come out today. And you saw that they were uh, waving palm leaves, and, and that's symbolic of the moment where Jesus came in on a donkey. And uh, the people, the children of Israel, were throwing uh, their coats and cloaks, the scripture says, coats in front of him, laying out a pathway for him to come in, waving palm leaves, a symbol of victory. But they were seeing it through a set of eyes where they saw Jesus coming in to be the... You see, Jesus' fame had gone throughout the whole land. Just before this moment, he had just healed Bartimaeus, the blind man. So they saw Jesus as a king to come, to come with victory, a fighting king that would defeat the Roman Empire that they had been in bondage to, of course, years and years of slavery prior, but they still had the mindset of, of slavery to the Roman control, and they saw Jesus as a king and honor and kingship coming in to take care of that and get down and get busy and fight a battle, but that's not what Jesus saw. You see, Jesus saw a little bit farther forward. He saw a few days to come, and all the sorrow and the heartache and everything that he experienced, he defeated something greater than just an army, just a Roman group of people. He defeated something that is the greater story to the resurrection, death and sin. We've lessened sin to its gravity, to its, 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 its importance and Thank God we're redeemed. Thank God he followed through with, with what he was expected to do. But the donkey is just a symbol of peace between God and man. And he gave honor to where that was going to be the redemption story. To where now, because I'm on this side of Jesus, I'm redeemed forever. Death has no hold on me. Oh, death, where is your sting? Death has no control. I die. So what? I'm just going to transition right on into the greater life. If you've lost loved ones before their time, that's encouraging. That gives me truth and, and understanding in Hebrews 12.1. I had a great conversation with my neighbor just a couple of days ago on this subject. How that uh, Hebrews 12.1, that we're surrounded by such a great or vast crowd of witnesses. One translation says, watching down from the grandstand, cheering us on. They would love to be into this moment because they just see what they're experiencing and they know that what we're getting ready. This is what this is all about, my friends. This is why it was so exciting for them. Even though it was limited in their sight, they saw a king that was honored to be honored. And in every, what's interesting, and you look in all the Gospels, that's in all four, not every story, most of the, of the accounts and the, the experiences that you read in the Scriptures, you don't see them in all four. 
There's a handful that you do. This is one that's in all four. And every writer wrote with a place of honor and the glory of what was taking place. Yeah, go read it. Go find it. I believe math. Never mind. Go, go find it. Just Google Palm Sunday. The scripture of Palm Sunday. And it'll lead you right there. Go read. And each one has a little bit different twist to it to explain to you what's happening. And I'm just telling you right now, man, this is a big deal for you and I. And hopefully by the end of today, I can take a little bit of time to do something a little bit different on this Sunday morning than we do, we've done in the past. I want to give you a blip of what next week will be. I want to help us maybe kind of step out of our life and all that we... All, uh, anybody got some stuff going on? A responsibility. And just kind of focus for a week on one thing. Somebody that needs Jesus. Whether that's saved, whether that's rededication, and I'm not crazy about that term anymore, a recommitment, or someone that just needs hope. Can, can we just, just for one week, step out of our own life, is so consuming, and just be thinking, and because and, we're going to present the same thing you're going to hear today, we're going to present next week, just a different package behind it. It's going to have a different, different flow. It'll be the same message of salvation. But I want to ask some questions today. Do we know what salvation is? Do we understand what comes with the word salvation? We'll look into some of it. So stand up with me real quick for about maybe 30 more seconds. Let's read a textual scripture. Um, thank you for being patient as you stand back up. I just think we need to give some honor to the word. Uh, here in Psalm 145, 1 through 9, and verses 14 and 19. This is our uh, foundational scripture for the year, but I want you to hear it again. I will exalt you, my God and King, and praise your name forever and ever. I will praise you every day. Yes, I will praise you forever. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. No one can measure his greatness. Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. Everybody say this with me. I will proclaim your power to save. I will meditate on your majestic, glorious splendor and your wonderful miracles. Your all-inspiring deeds will be on every tongue. I will proclaim your greatness. Everybody say it with me. I will, I will proclaim, proclaim your greatness. Verse 7. Everyone will share the story of your wonderful goodness. They will sing with joy about your righteousness. Everybody say this with me. I will share the story, share the story. of your wonderful goodness. Now, here's what that goodness looks like. Here's what you're sharing. Here's the message you have. Here's what's internally within you as a believer, as a Christian. This is the story of next weekend. This is what will be embedded in you to share through the life that you're living. It, listen, okay, look. Put sin on the back burner. Don't live in sin for a whole week. That's impossible, I know it. <laughs> that was a joke. That was a good one. <laughs> Wasn't good enough, I guess. Well, here's, here's the message. The Lord is good to everyone. He showers compassion on all His creation. The Lord helps the fallen and lifts those that are bent beneath their loads. The Lord is close to all who call on Him. Yes, to all who call Him in truth. Now, here's how He does that. Matthew 1.21, the very beginning of Yeshua. And you shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. Yeshua, for he shall save his people from their sins. Philippians 2, 9 through 12. 
Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. At that name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We spend our whole look, life looking for what's found in this word, the most famous name on the planet, Yeshua. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. We open up our hearts to receive and give our ears to hear in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You can be seated. So I said to you, let's just kind of refocus on the thought of the world right now and what's going on in the world. And I'm going to read a couple of scriptures to you so that you can maybe picture what someone that's without Jesus in their life, without a revelation of what he brings to their life. Some of the things that we just shared. How are they picturing this? Without Jesus, they picture it through a, through a different lens than you do. Here we go. Matthew 24, 1 through 8. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. Many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilence, and earthquakes in diverse places. All these things are the beginning of sorrows. When you see nation against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, especially nation against nation, it says people groups against people groups. That's what people are seeing, that they don't have Jesus in their life. They're interpreting this differently than maybe you do. Second scripture, Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. But understand this, that in the last days, dangerous times of great stress and trouble will come, difficult days that will be hard to bear. Someone without Yeshua, without Jesus, that's very prevalent in their life. They're looking for an answer. They're looking for something to land on. They're looking for something that's going to give me some kind of peace in the world that I'm living in. Many times people, when you talk about the name Jesus, or we're not necessarily using Yeshua in this term right now, but when you talk about Jesus, they're not even sure who it is, what it is, or what it's about, or why do I even need that? That's just you group of people that need Jesus. We're the only avenue that may be able to direct them on a pathway or a roadmap to help them see the need for Jesus in their life. So what's behind this name? What's behind the name Yeshua? What does it mean? What's its meaning? Where, what does it mean? Well, when you look at its very roots, its origin, you go back to the Hebrew writing, and there's a word called Yesha in the Old Testament that later leads to Yeshua, later leads to Jesus, that later leads to Jesus in the New Testament. So all the way through Scripture, you're going to see the same meaning. It's just said differently. But it begins with the word Yesha. You might not care about those names, the Hebrew names, but I know you care about its meaning and its definition because we spend a whole life, all of us, looking for this to happen in our life. The word Yesha means to rescue, means to help, to defend, to preserve, that would be long life, to make free, to attain victory. Anybody facing a battle right now that you need victory in, it's found in Yesha. It goes on to say to bring safety, to heal, to save, that's why we spent so much time on the words Jehovah, because the relational God reveals this to you. One word is the answer to everything. 
We spend our lives seeking this. Listen, come on, let's just think about it. I spend my life to be rescued. I don't know about you, but I know there were moments in my life that, that uh, I don't want to make it life about a down moment. But if I wake up in the morning and I see what's going on in the world, I'm grateful to know that I'm rescued from the world. Okay? When, when I see the government and all of the challenges moving and shaking and working around and, and all of the confusion there, and, and I really try to remove myself from hearing a whole lot of that because it skews you. It gets you to where you get defensive and fighting. And if you're not careful, you can become fighting towards one and lose sight of the bigger picture. Jesus is coming. And so my whole point is, I, there's times I've been in a place where I've needed safety. I've been afraid just like you. But because I'm in Yeshua, because I have an understanding of Yeshua, because I have an understanding of the victory won in Jesus, I can re- quickly refer to Psalm 91. Psalm 91 says, I've got angels that watch over me. I dwell in the shelter, I remain stable and fixed in shadow, underneath of the shadow of the Almighty, in Yeshua. So when you take the Hebrew following of this word from Yasha, it leads into, as you move further into the Old Testament, it becomes Yeshua. And then you lead into the Greek definition of that word. I know you don't care about this, but you need to know that there's a pathway from start to finish. The, the Greek word, New Testament written in Greek, becomes Jesus. And the word Jesus is Jesus. So here's what that tells me. That in Jesus' salvation, he becomes the answer to everything that anyone in this world, saved or unsaved, can be looking for or needs existing in their life. He's the only answer. Isaiah 12, verse 2. Behold, God is my salvation, Yeshua. I will trust and not be afraid, for the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. Listen, he also is become my salvation, Yeshua. That means I possess this in my life now. So here's, here's the point. Not only is he my Elohim of Elohims, strong creating God, back to our first day. Not only is he my Adonai, I've submitted to him as Lord and master of my life. Because he's got a better plan for me and he sees ahead of me, behind me and around me. He's got the better step for me. Not only is he Jehovah, my relational God, Jehovah Jireh, Sitkanu, Jehovah Rapha, and all of the names that we discovered this month, he also is now become my salvation, my Yeshua. He's my rescue. He's my defender. He's my healer. The ancient hope was that this name would become the answer to everything. And the world doesn't see this. The world's looking in a lot of places through man's plans and ideas to find the very thing that can only come one way. And that's through a relationship in Jesus. Proverbs 18.10. You see, a lot of our battles, jump off course here for a couple minutes, a lot of our battles are not against flesh and blood. They're spiritual. And without an understanding of Yeshua, the power and authority in the name, you will war in the flesh constantly and the flesh will beat you up and win against you every time without a revelation of Yeshua. You see, when it says warring against flesh and blood, all the attacks, all the outward things that you face in the daily, in your day-to-day life, your bills, your debts, your people, people that come against you, people that fight against you, the, uh, the world, and you, and you start to look at that too long, it's easy to get depressed and depressed and feel like you've got to go to some kind of Savior and find a pill to help you come out of that, and all it does is put you under it more. Jesus is the greatest pill for all of it. 
I'm, no pun against them. Please don't take that wrong. Please don't. I know pills are keeping a lot of us alive, so that I, don't, I don't want to down that. I don't say that disrespectfully. I believe in God. I mean, in, in man and man's formula and, and man's ways to, to create healing in our life. I believe a lot of that comes from God. But here's the point that I want to make. When it becomes your only dependency and takes you away from Yeshua, that's where it's ungodly. That's where it defeats you. That's where it does not, uh, does not exist in your life. Can I get an amen? amen. Proverbs 18.10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. So what's our world need right now? Think back to what we read. Think back to the, maybe the world that you're in. Your coworkers, Your family. The people that you're around. Step out with me. Come on. Step out of your life for a minute. Think about somebody that does not have peace. Think about somebody that feels like the world's caving in on them. You might feel the same way, but step out of yourself for a minute. Really, think of somebody else that might have it a little bit more, more worse, that's not, worse than you. It's hard when you think yours is the worst. But you have to step out of it for just a minute so that you can get an idea of where we're going in just a week because that's what I want you to see. This is just to prepare you for the reason of the why one of these is so important. It's just an invitation with service times to give you an opportunity. Say, hey, man, look, I know you're struggling. This might be your answer next week. That's all you got to say. Hey, man, listen, I know you and your wife are just having a bad time together. And look, I'm not trying to, to get in the middle in what you're doing, but, but will you come next week? May, just maybe this, this might help you. And I, I, guess what? I'll be there for you. I'll, I'll, if, if you got questions after, you don't get it after, I'll be there for you. I'll answer some questions. I'm going to show you what questions to answer. You see, here's my point. <clears throat> whatever you need, whatever they need, whatever the world needs is found in a relationship with Yeshua, yeah. Jesus so here's where I want to transition. I want to come away from maybe the worldly thought to what the needs are. You know, the needs and the things that we face every day. And I want to take us to a greater reason why Jesus is needed and Yeshua is needed. You see, the disciples thought, and those that were around them, when Jesus was coming into for Palm Sunday, they were excited. They were ecstatic because they saw only the moment that they were in, and now he's going to defeat what they battled for years and years and years was going to be over and done and set free. But I want you to maybe kind of come away from the thought of narrow-minded and think bigger-minded with me and think maybe like Jesus did, knowing that if I don't go forward with all of this, then I won't defeat the very thing that's got people in bondage, and it's sin and death. It's a greater story than the needs just being met. God is the one who saves. Well, how does he do that? Anybody ever heard of the Roman road before? The Roman road is just a, 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 a simple way to present the gospel, a simple way or a road map per se to present Jesus and the need for salvation. Go to the book of Romans and you can find these scriptures I'm going to give you. I want to take you down the Roman road right now. Because that's what we'll be presenting next week is the Roman road. Again, packaged differently. Won't look like this. Going to look a whole lot different. But it will appeal to the heart because it's the one thing the heart's looking for is an answer to life. Yes, it is. Yes. 
So here we go. Here's four questions that you will find that you will find through the Roman road. If you if you are looking to share the gospel with somebody, share Jesus with somebody, here's a pathway. Here's an easy way to do it. You can Google it. What's the Roman road? And you'll get a million different things and answers. But there's four questions that the Roman road answers for you and I. Number one, why we need salvation. Number two, how God provided salvation. Number three, how we can receive salvation. And then number four, what are the results of this salvation that I've come into? So here's my point. Next week, as we give them hope, as we give them an answer, can we connect them to the real answer? Can we connect them to sin being defeated, heaven being the gain, hell being the place that's shown, not through hellfire and brimstone and shoving it down their face and saying, you either confess Jesus, you're going to hell. It's true, but that's not how you win them. You win them through the love of God. It's what draws a man to repentance. And can I tell you how the love of God is shared? Your life, living Jesus, the healer, the defender, the rescuer, in the midst of the same junk that they're in. And when they see you, see the same circumstances and the same kind of battles that they're experiencing. But your way of walking and experiencing and through that just has a different representation to it. Instead of caving in and caving in and caving in, you stand up and say, no, 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 no. I see you for who you are. Flesh and blood will not defeat me because my name, Yeshua, within me has already defeated you. Thank you for all of that received that. So let's answer some questions for my theologians out there. <clears throat> Question number one. Why do we need salvation? Why? Question is, because sin was man. Sin, <clears throat> because of sin, and man's been separated from God. Romans 3.10, Roman Road, walking right through Romans. Roman Road, 3.10. As it is written, there is none a righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.23, the sin problem. For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Come on, tell somebody you ain't special. Romans 5.12, it's not our fault. Come on, tell somebody, it's not my fault. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone Sinned, all-inclusive at this point. So is sin really that big a deal? We've narrowed sin down. Really, a lot of times, we've kind of lost sight of the bigness or the greatness of sin, and we're really just talking about the works of flesh. You've got a flesh. It likes to do what it wants, and it falls into sin, but there's a way to come up and out of that sin. But there is a righteous, holy standard to live, and when a person is born again, the Bible says very clearly that that, that standard of right and wrong now lives in you. You know the right and wrong, and you just ignore it sometimes. But we can get to where we don't ignore the right or wrong, and we walk in the holy standard of God making holier choices. So, for Romans, is sin a really big problem? Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. Yield to sin long enough, the outcome's going to be. I want to read this to you, a little bit theological in its thought, but just hold on with me, okay? Disobedience to an infinite, eternal God deserves an infinite, eternal consequence. 
God shows us his character and his laws in creation. The world around us, he has also written the laws in our hearts, on our conscience. I know right from wrong. He's also given us his word, the Bible, to know right from wrong. No good judge would let the guilty go free. The criminal go unpunished. Neither can a holy, righteous God allow sinful man to go unpunished. But there is hope. Where is the hope? Where can I find hope in this eternal separation from God and the pathway to redeem me back into this relationship where I'm seated with God and I'm not really concerned about eternity in hell as much as I'm excited about the eternity in heaven? Romans 6.23, same verse, 23b if you want to label it. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord, Yeshua. Question number two, how God provided salvation. <clears throat> Romans 5, 8, just walking down the road. Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. You see, God loves man. God's, man's made in God's image. He provided a way of escape, sending Jesus to go in our place. John 3, 16, remember the scripture? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. See, God's provided a plan for you and I to be with him forever. We're allowing the world to consume our thoughts and forget the greatest victory ever won. Look, I'm living down here right now. I understand that. But there's a greater victory that's won within my heart. I have a God that's on my side. I have a God that's got my back. I have a God that's defeated the things that I'm facing right now. And I understand the name of Yeshua and the power of that name. And I'm going to walk as a king and priest like Jesus did on this earth until I'm satisfied. Question number three. How can we receive salvation? Yeshua. We're presenting this message next week, guys. The person that's closest to you, that you're wondering if they have a relationship with God. I'm telling you, man, I had a powerful conversation with my neighbor just two days ago. I won't reveal to you the conversation, but I'll tell you how divine God is in his purpose. I met this gentleman just visually, the very first year I moved here. When I moved here on the Outer Banks, we had church was not rolling like it is now. I was the crossing guard for the elementary school on Wingina on the back road. And I used to see this guy, if I described who he was, he's just a really good friend of mine now. I, I'm just starting to realize where he is with God. But I used to see him ride down the road at least every other day, passing by, passing by. He and his wife riding a bike, riding in a car, very distinct looking car, very distinct looking guy. And as I would see him, I'd hear inside, you're going to know him one day. You're going to know him one day. 16 years ago. And as time moved forward, guess what? I live right next to him. He's my neighbor. I mean, we're talking, I can spit on his house. That's how close we are. And here I am, and he's 70 or a little bit older, maybe 71. And just now, he's starting to come to a realization of a relationship. He's been a faithful Catholic, a tender Catholic church for years. And now he's just telling me, he says, you know, I understand my formality of all these years, but now I'm really understanding the relationship of who this king is, Jesus is. Man, I'm just telling you, it's powerful. Yeah. 
That's what's next to you. That's what's around you every day. That's what's on the street beside you. That's what's in your job. Listen, come on, you cannot tell me, you guys that are business owners. You know, now, I understand there's a fine line of crossing the line of boss and, and, and relationship. I get that. But nothing should ever be worth the cost of someone going to hell. Do they see, I don't want to meddle here, because I want you to hear love. Do people around me see Jesus? Do they see Yeshua? When you experience the same life that they have to live, do they see the response of Yeshua, or do they see the same response or worse than they would respond? Because you have the answer. Did I answer the third question? How can we receive salvation? Romans 10, 9 and 10. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Well, what about this question? Well, I'm a good person. Doesn't that qualify? Listen, I'm not out there morally living bad. I'm faithful to my wife today. That's the big one. I'm faithful to my wife or my husband, and, and I treat my kids well. I'm, leaving, I'm raising my kids the way they should go. And, 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 and uh, I mean, I, I, you know, I pay my taxes. You know, I, I, I live right. I live a good life. Is that good enough? Does that, listen, you need to know this. Does that afford me? Listen, that's what you do. I get it. That's what you need for maybe your crutch. But I'm a good person. I don't need that. Maybe you had a sinful life. They don't use the word sin. Maybe you, you they use, would use with me. Maybe you were just, that, I know you were that hellion one day, and I know that this has helped you and some of that. So I don't need that. I'm a good person. Is that really a big deal to expect? Doesn't that get me into heaven? No. The answer is absolutely no. That does not get you into heaven. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. For by grace have you been saved by faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You can never be saved by trying to be a good person, because you can't be a good enough person. Nor can you be saved from any amount of good works. So throw your good works out. It's not going to go back to listen to Jehovah Sitkanu. You can get some answers there on Jehovah, your righteousness. Salvation only comes by confessing sins, our sins, placing our faith in Yeshua, and surrendering our life to his lordship, placing him in charge of every area of our life because he loves us and has a plan for us. Question number four the Roman road. What are the results of my salvation? What would be the results for someone that I invited to come next week and they made Jesus the Lord of their life for the first time? Or just an answer to what's going on. What would be the result to their life? <clears throat> the Roman road. Proverbs 19, 21. Listen. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. Romans 5, 1 through 3. I'm only going to read a couple of these. It's in the Passion Translation. Our faith in Jesus, Yeshua, transfers God's righteousness to us. And he now declares us flawless in his eyes. This means we can now enjoy true and lasting peace with God, all because of what our Lord Jesus, Yeshua, the Anointed One, has done for us. Our faith guarantees us permanent access into the marvelous kindness that has given us a perfect relationship with God. Can you take one more on the results? Just one more. Romans 8, 37 through 39. Tell somebody, I got the answer. 
Come on, tell somebody, I got the answer. I got the answer. Romans 8, message translation. Nothing, absolutely nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can separate you when you have relationship with him. You've made him the Lord of your life. Nothing can separate you from the one that came to rescue you, help you. I'm not going to read all of the, what he came to do. This is the most famous name on the planet. No other name has gained more argument, confession, or conversation. Sit in front of a Greek Orthodox pastor, minister, priest, and have this conversation with them. I've done it. Sit in front of someone from a different denomination. Not maybe one that's necessarily cultist. You need to know which ones are. But someone that really loves God. I sat down with a Greek Orthodox minister years ago, me and one other pastor. And you know what their question was? The Holy Spirit. Who is he? And that tongue stuff. I want that tongue stuff. Listen to me, guys. Next week is Easter. One moment. One shot. Window of time, I believe, that we're in. With everything in me, I know that this is a moment for us to do something about that. Window of time. I've never experienced or sensed the gravity of this the way I have right now. The weight of it. Me and the, uh, the girls were, were uh, discussing some of this a couple days ago. Megan and Sarah, children's pastor. We were navigating some of the pathway of, of what this. The kids are hearing something very similar. And by the time we were done, we actually were getting depressed. We were starting to get weighty. We were starting to... I mean, there's no joy in the room at all. Trust me. It wasn't. We wanted to get out of there. But the Spirit of God spoke to me in the moment, right before, because Megan, you can see Megan, she was starting to kind of just... Uh, and all of a sudden, the Spirit of God spoke to me. The gravity of the moment is in the moment. The weight that you're experiencing and feeling is the weight that I sense in the moment that's coming. Every person in this room, you have someone that you're in contact with that may need the message that you're living. I want you to stand up with me and I want to read one scripture to you and we'll be done. Tell somebody, I've got the answer to everything. Luke chapter 14, 21 through 23. Go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And the servant came back and said, Sir, we've done what you've ordered. It's been done. There's still room in the house. Then the master told his servant, Go out into the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. Presented differently, a different way, a different package. Next week, window of time, I believe with everything within me that when we come together corporately, for the same focus and the same goal, we make an avenue and an atmosphere for the power of God to save. We make an atmosphere for Yeshua to come in and redeem man from death unto life. Everybody, every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you for Yeshua, Jesus our Lord. And Father, there may be somebody here this morning that heard this message and heard maybe even the Roman road. And as they heard it, something stirred in their heart to get to know you more of who they are, who you are. I pray that today their heart will be touched in a way that they'll make you the Lord of their life. 
But I pray more importantly that the person standing next to them or around them will be aware of who they are. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, let me just share something with you. Pastor Tiffany and I, of course, many of you know, we were gone for about a week. We left and went to do that marriage conference. And on our way, um, we went to, we kind of made a long roundabout trip. Left to go to Moorhead first. I was going to look at a boat that I'm interested in. So we went there first. And uh, we popped it in our GPS and came through Moorhead. And then, of course, we had to come back and go up and following the GPS the whole time. And uh, when we got into, it led us down all these little nook and cranny roads, way away from the expressway. And Pastor Tiffany kept saying the whole time, man, I'd hate to be doing this alone because you'd be so afraid because you don't know where you are. So we get to West Virginia and we're, we're locked in. We do what we need to do there, four days of ministering. And, and then we do the same thing when we leave. We pop in the GPS to come back home. It took us a whole different route to come home through the mountains of West Virginia. I, oh, my God. It, it was. Pastor Tiffany is not someone that complains, but she, I wanted to put her out on the mountain because she complained the whole time. The whole time she complained. The whole time. And I'm driving. And I'm like... No excuse. I, I'm, I'm just locked in, and I'm think, trying to stay on the road. And we're following the GPS, and, and we'd been on the road, and we got about. We were only going to Richmond. We were doing half stints, and going to stay in Richmond a couple of days. And uh, so we weren't that far away. I know that because I kept watching the GPS, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> GPS disappeared. And I'm out in the boonies, man. I'm out there where there's nobody. I mean, there are just cows on everywhere around the field. And, and uh, she, she flipped out even more then. What are we going to do? So we come to this crossroad. You could go straight or you could turn left. The guy in me knew we were supposed to turn left. But she threw so much question out there. I'm thinking, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this is not the right way. She said, stop. And I, you know how hard it is for a guy to stop and ask somebody for directions. I knew where I was going. But I've been looking ahead. I've been watching the GPS the whole time. I knew where we were. That's a lie. <laughs> she said, stop. And so I stopped. And like I said, we're at a crossroad. You go that way or this way. And I pull into this country um, don't take this wrong podunk. I mean, it was just, it was, it was small. And um, you could tell it was the only life in the town. So I walk in, and the guy was great. And I said, you know, I'm trying to get to Richmond. And he says, oh, you're not that far away. I said, I know. He said, but he's, <laughs> huh? <laughs> so anyway, I was right. Because he said, he's just turned left. And I was right. That made me feel good. And he said, but follow this road for about 10 or 15 miles. And he says, you're going to feel like you're in the middle of nowhere. I said, I know. I feel like I'm in the middle of nowhere right now. And he said, no, really. You're going to really feel like you're in the middle of nowhere because the lines disappear. There's no lines on the road. It's a state road, but there's no lines. And he said, 10 or 15 miles, just stay on it, and you're going to eventually come to some signs that will point you in the right direction. I'm wondering if we got people in our lives that have hit a crossroad. They're trying to figure out whether they should go straight or turn left. And the answer is left, but they're waiting for you to tell them to go left. Maybe Easter's their day to go left to Yeshua. I challenge you. Get one of these on the way out. Just ask one person. Don't try to be a superstar and bring 20 people. If you want to, go for it. Find the one that needs to know where to go to turn left. You just might be the one that changes their life forever. 
There'll be no greater joy that'll happen in your life to see that happen. Let me pray with you and I'll let you go. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you so much for the opportunity we have to be a blessing, to bring people from death unto life in this week to come. We put our faith on next week that you're filling the house. We'll teach the word. We'll present your word, but your power will make the difference and your goodness will draw them in. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray blessing on all these folks today as they get out there. I call in divine appointments for them and boldness to be a divine appointment in Jesus' name. And everybody said.